standing on the promises, I cannot fall. And the next phrase was listening every moment to the Spirit's call. And that's essentially my message today. I'm going to give it away. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. The way we prosper spiritually, the way that we do well, is to listen to God and then respond. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Uh, We hear what He says, we we receive it and we believe it. God's truth, God's word, God's voice received and believed and kept in our heart is the only thing that has the power to transform us and to sanctify us and to change us and to, to make us new and beautiful, fruitful people in Jesus. Jesus said, sanctify them by, thy, by the truth. Your word is truth. And if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. You know, every, every few years, we, we hear some new theory of spiritual growth or how, or how to experience God more, and I am all for that totally. Uh, but so many times we're looking for a, a secret when the secret is simply to hear what God says and respond with a tender, believing heart. And the message from this passage is today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The first part of this chapter is about how Jesus is far greater than Moses. Joshua, Josh, Josh talked on that last Sunday. Um, and the, the, the thought here today is that if those who resisted the voice of God through Moses had such massive privilege as going into the promised land, if, if, those, if those who... Um, resisted the voice of God through Moses, lost such a massive privilege as going into the promised land, those who harden their hearts against the voice of God today, spoken about His Son, Jesus, stand likewise to miss out on massive and incredible promises that God has for us in Jesus. So, there is no way around it this passage is a warning. It's a warning against a hardened and unbelieving heart. And it is an encouragement for us to believe and to keep our hearts in a state of faith, to keep our hearts in a state of trust, to keep our hearts in a state of confidence in Jesus. And the main exhortation in these verses assumes that the Holy Spirit has spoken and that He speaks to us and that we might hear His voice today. Today, if you hear His voice, that we may presently hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We may hear God speaking to us today. And this is all in the very first phrase. The Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice. And we hear the Holy Spirit's voice in Scripture. The Holy Spirit daily moves in our hearts and speaks in our hearts. He leads and teaches us. The Apostle John said the Holy Spirit teaches us about all things. 
And the way that Jesus communicates to us today is by His Holy Spirit. The speaking voice of the Holy Spirit is very real and very alive. And one of the most foundational things for you to to do well and prosper in the Lord is is to believe, to really actually believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and that you might hear His voice even today, right here and now. And to lose faith in the reality of His voice in your heart is, is often the first way to harden yourself against His working and His influence and His transforming you and bearing fruit in your life. And second, and this may seem very obvious, but I think it's very important, we see that He speaks to our hearts. And it it, it is our hearts that we must not harden against His voice. Your heart is the essential you. Um, It is made up of your thoughts, your affections, your choices, your will. You think in your heart. You rejoice or sorrow in your heart. You love someone in your heart or not. You love God with your heart. You choose to do things. You choose what you do, what you're going to do. You choose that. You make those choices in your heart. Whatever you do, wherever you go, however you spend your time, you are choosing to do that in your heart. Life doesn't just happen. Your life and what you do and what you love and what you give yourself to flows out of your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The New American Standard says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So this, this, this whole idea today of, of, of following your heart, if you just follow your heart without guarding it, without tending it, without watching over what is going on it, is, is simply a recipe for disaster. It's simply a pathway away from God and, and just kind of into your own self and your own life. It's a recipe for spiritual shipwreck. But if you set your heart on, on God, if you set your heart to, to listen to the voice of God, if you set your heart to love God, good things will, will flow out, out of that. Uh, Augustine famously said something like, love God and then do what you want, or love God and do what you will. And he said that because he knew that, that what you do flows out of your heart. And so the big issue is always to get your heart right. And that, that's why this passage is, is really dealing with our hearts. It's, 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 it's addressed to what is going on in your heart. Because your, your heart is your point of contact with God. It's, it's the place that God communicates with you or speaks to you. And you re, it's the place where you respond to Him with your heart. Your heart is either hardened toward God or in the process of being hardened or being indifferent or cool or aloof or lukewarm or it's, it's warmed and, and responsive and open and listening eagerly for 
the voice of God. Again, I go back to the song, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. What is going on in your heart is what is going on between you and God. And you choose to respond to God either a little or much or totally with your heart. And many times in the Bible, I mean over and over and over again, I looked looked up the passages this week about what we do with all of our heart. And just multiple times in the Scriptures, we are exhorted to love God with all of your heart or to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart. And it's because what we do with our heart or what is going on in our heart, what, what we uh, what we allow to go on in our heart or what we, what we, uh, how we tend and guard our heart, because that is so determining of everything about us, this passage warns us against. It's a warning uh, primarily against. Next week we're going to talk about the more positive side of it. But this passage is mainly a warning against responding with indifference or aloofness or resistance or or hardness of heart when the Holy Spirit speaks. And in a very real sense, we cannot respond to what he said yesterday or what he might say to us today. It says, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. We, We can never presume that we will hear him tomorrow or some other time. The time to respond to the Holy Spirit is, is when He moves upon your heart, when he, when he leads and guides and when you feel His impulses and, and motiv- motivating uh, work in your heart. And when he, when he moves upon our heart, when He speaks in our hearts, we must give Him a full, believing, welcoming response. So one of the things that from this passage that, that we must pray for ourselves and each other's is for listening and responsive hearts. You know, many times Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I mean, God's truth, the message, the glorious message about Jesus, the, the wonderful promises of God, I mean, these, these, are, these are going forth all the time. I mean, they're, they're spoken in his word. God is... is, is has many avenues of, of, of reminding us of these things, and we hear these things. But I mean, honestly, some people hear them and some people don't. Some people, are, some people are, are just marvelously and radically transformed and, and become joyful, fruitful, uh, glad-hearted, wholehearted believers, followers of Christ, and, and some, some people just sort of seem mostly unaffected. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as you read the scripture, or someone shares a word for you, or you listen to a message in church, or even in the quietness of your, of your own heart, you must listen to his voice and listen for his voice. And it's not the only time that God speaks, but every, every time we gather, particularly on, uh, when the saints gather on Sunday morning on the Lord's Day, we, sh- we should be particularly um, ready and willing and eager to listen for his voice. And, and at, the end of the ch- at the end of church, when, we, when you go home today, probably the most important question is, have I heard him? 
have, have, have I let him speak to me? Have we let him speak to us? Do we expect him to speak to us? Are we willing and eager to hear what he has to say? Is our, is our heart responding to him with an, with an eager willingness and a complete openness and with, a, with an eager belief, a re- receiving of what he says and, a, and, and an eagerness to latch on to it and to believe it? This is our most basic spiritual duty, or one of our most basic spiritual duties, is to keep our heart sensitive and tender to His voice. And I think we must especially watch the condition of our heart when we are going through difficult or painful or confusing things. Uh, the, we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but the, the, uh, the people of Israel... It says that they they hardened their hearts during the time of testing in the wilderness. So when did they harden their hearts? It was during a time of testing in the wilderness. And when you feel that you are under a hard test, or you you feel like you're in the wilderness, you know, just that that place where you you don't really sense God's favor, you maybe don't sense much direction, you're, you're... kind of beginning to wonder if God is still good and those kind of thoughts. I mean, those, those are the most dangerous times. Those are the times that, that you can allow your heart to, be, to become cold and hardened and, and, and unresponsive. Now, the warning in this passage is that there is a real danger in a hardened heart. And I mean, this passage, this passage can put the fear of God in you, as many passages in, he, in Hebrews could. But the, it's not, that, the intent is not just to beat people up. The intent is not just to strike fear in your hearts, although, although there, is, there is a purpose in that. The, the, the overall purpose is to drive us to faith, to drive us to believing hearts, to... to to warn us against unbelieving hearts, to drive us to this safe and good and wholesome and healthy place where we believe God and, and enjoy God and listen to Him and enjoy the, the spiritual prosperity of heart and soul and mind that come, come from that. So, so keep, that, keep that in mind. But the warning of this passage is that there is a real danger in a hardened heart. It, it is not just that it is better to listen to the Holy Spirit. It is not just that we should listen to the Holy Spirit. It is not just that we will be, that we'll be better off to listen. But the point is also that very great loss comes to those who remain in a hardened condition. Verse 19, which is the last verse in this chapter. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The point is, they lost out on something. I mean, they lost out on something big time because of their unbelief. Their resistance and their unbelief affected their lives and their futures greatly. Okay? And unbelief will do the same for you. Unbelief will... It will affect your life, and will, it will affect your future, and, and it doesn't affect your life or future in a good way. 
you miss out on so much through unbelief. They, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And our response today to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts has, has, has everything to do with whether we enter, so to speak, the promised land or remain in the wilderness. It has everything to do with whether we enter His rest, which we're going to talk more about that next week. But it has everything to do if we, if, if we enter this place of God's favor, of God's goodness, of God's peace, of God's rest, or not. Ultimately, it has to do with our eternal salvation. Those who practice giving swift and wholehearted response to the Holy Spirit are those who thrive and bear fruit and are happy in Christ and continue firm to the end. And that's why Hebrews warns us against not having that kind of response to Jesus. And so I want to start again in verse 8 and kind of read on, work our way through some more of this passage. Uh, Do not harden your hearts. Well, first it starts out in verse 7, as, as the Holy Spirit says, I mean, this, is a, this is a warning from the Holy Spirit, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared my, uh, an oath in my anger. They shall not enter my rest. And then verse 16, I'm not sure why the author does this, but the author of Hebrews, he seems to want to really come back and clarify. He says, clarify, well, who were these people who hardened their hearts and had these bad things happen to them? And that's, that's exactly what, how verse 16 starts. Who were they? Who were these people who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those with Moses led out of Egypt and with whom he was angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness and to whom God and and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So again, so we see that they were not able to enter because uh, of their unbelief. So the the author of Hebrews refers back to this time that the, elder, the Israelites w- uh, were in the wilderness during the Exodus. Again, as we've seen, it was called the time of testing in the wilderness. And they did not believe God in the wilderness. They did not believe God in this time of testing. They did not trust God to bring them into the promised land. And you know, most of us know the stories. What did they do? They... they they, com- they complained and they grumbled against Moses and against God. And they, they, said, they even said they wanted to go back to Egypt. They forgot all of his works, as this passage says. They forgot all the good things that God did for them. All they could see were the problems and the, and the things that they lacked. And they, and they got their eyes on that and they forgot, they forgot his miracles and, and the way that he provided for them and cared for them. And they, they even rebelled against going into the promised land. I mean, God says, here's this land flowing with milk and honey I have for you. It's the land of Canaan. And they said, they said no, we're not going there. We don't want to go there. We don't, we're afraid of the people. We're afraid of their walled cities. And so they, they tested and provoked God, it says. They rebelled against God for 40 years. 
Uh, so they missed out on the bounty and the blessing of the land God had for them, and their bodies perished in the wilderness. I, I want to be careful here not, not to make this passage overly graphic, yet this, this image of dead bodies strewn across the wilderness is meant as a powerful message to us about the seriousness of resisting the voice of God. You just think about it. It's, that's a message. It's a message to us. I mean, the outcome, the outcome of a hardened, indifferent, resistant heart is not a pretty sight. It never is. Hardened hearts never result in anything good now or in the future. And you notice how these warnings about a hardened heart are equated. He got, he, uh, the author of Hebrews uses several different descriptions of these people. It's equ- a hardened heart is equated with unbelief. It's uh, equated with uh, rebellion. It's requ- equated with disobedience and turning away from the living God. Many people uh, regard unbelief as a kind of, of weakness over which they have no control. And we, 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 we sometimes regard our, our faith or our, our level of faith over something that just kind of just, just, just happens. And we, we either have, just ha- have faith or we don't, or we have much faith or, or, or we have little faith, and we, we regard that something that we, that we really don't have, have any say over. The, the Bible does not view it that way at all. I'm going to use a human example to try to communicate what I'm saying here. Uh, for those of you who are parents... And if you're not a parent, I think you can get the picture of this. But if one of your children would say to you, Mom or Dad, I simply do not believe you. I don't believe anything you have said. I don't believe anything you say. I've been trying to believe you for a long time. I wish I could, but I just don't believe you. Uh, I mean, you would not think, Oh, okay, that's fine. That's that's great. I, you know, I I understand. You just you just don't believe me. No, you would, or you should. I hope you would have a a right kind of anger about that. Uh, partly, partly because of the of the direct defiance of you, the direct offense toward you, but also because you know that any kid who thinks like that is not headed for a good life. They're headed for trouble. And likewise, unbelief angers God. He's not pleased with it. He doesn't doesn't approve of it. And I think for the same reasons, because it reveals reveals something in our heart that is is pushing back. It, It reveals a kind of stiff arming of God and, he, and, and that angers him, but it also angers him because he knows that it's leading to something that is not good for us. He knows we're headed for trouble. 
if that's what's in our heart. And so he, and so he warns us. It's, it's, a, war, it's a warning that's, that's born out of love. He loves you because he warns you. Or he, he, because he loves you, he warns you, don't harden your heart. Because it leads, it leads, leads to bad stuff. Adolf Sapphire has a commentary in the book of Hebrews, and he said in this uh, section, he said, Unbelief is the mother of all sin and sorrow. Would you, you know, and it's, it, that's, that's why we're warned against it. Unbelief is the mother of all sin and sorrow, for unbelief is a departure from the living God. As long as you trust God, you are near Him. The moment you doubt Him, your soul has departed into a strange country. I, I kind of like that. You know, we, we, we remain near God through, through a heart that believes and, and receives what He says, a heart that is tender and soft toward Him, having faith in Him. And unbelief kind of takes us into this, into this strange country. Faith is the link between God's fullness and strength and our own emptiness and weakness. The ultimate argument in this passage that is made against unbelief has to do with our eternal salvation and blessing in Christ. Uh, Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firmly to the end. And Josh spoke on this exact statement almost, almost word for word, in the message last Sunday, earlier in chapter three, and this this is a this general truth is is a theme of the book of Hebrews. Belief in Jesus is not only a statement of creed. It's it's not only a a statement of a of agreement with with a a doctrinal truth. To Belief in Jesus means to trust in Jesus. It means to place confidence in Jesus. And confidence, you know, if I said I'm confidence in my wife right now at this moment, but this afternoon I say I'm not confident in her, confident in her I mean, what, what, that's not really confidence. I mean, there's, there's something about confidence that is by its very nature and faith that it's, that it's, that it's ongoing, there's, there's a permanence about it. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like I heard somebody say that um, something to the effect that, that love, to love someone and not have, have it be a promise that I love you forever really, really isn't love. I mean, if I just say I love you today, but tomorrow I'm not going to love you, that's not love. And confidence in Jesus that's just there kind of for a moment isn't really confidence in Jesus. And so there, there's this, this necessity of holding our confidence firm to the end. It, it, it just is. Uh, Jesus said the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. And some, some might say, well, I thought I just needed to start well, and it really doesn't matter if I end well or not. I mean, that, that's, that's taught by many, but it it really runs up against Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Genuine faith perseveres. It's a persevering faith. It's a faith that lasts. 
So I want to pose a question for you to, to think about. Uh, because you're going you're gonna to hear some warnings like this through the book of Hebrews. Are these warnings good for us to hear or not? And some would say we shouldn't talk about things like this. Some would say we, we shouldn't talk about stuff like this in church, you know? And I do think if we overemphasize the warnings and they became like the main story, uh, that would not be right, that would not be healthy, and it, wouldn't, it actually wouldn't line up with the tone and the message of the good news of the gospel. But it's obvious that the Holy Spirit thinks warnings are important because they are included in His Word all, and, and all, all through all through the, the New Testament writings of the apostles, all through the New Testament scriptures. And it's interesting that the author of the book of Hebrews, in, in a sense, in a sense kind of gets himself out of a jam here because he's, saying, he's not saying, I'm warning you. He says, the Holy Spirit says this. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know what I'm saying or not, but it, it's like it's like he he kind of uh, uh, gets himself out of being the one who's warning them and saying, "It's not really me warning you guys. It's the Holy Spirit who said this. It's the Holy Spirit who says this." And so I'm going to do the same. You know, don't blame me for this message. It's it's the Holy Spirit that says these things. So in light of the grave dangers of a hardened heart, how can, we, how can we guard against this happening? How can we make this sure that this doesn't happen to our own hearts? Number one, pay attention to your own heart and guard it carefully against unbelief. That's what verse 12 says. See to it. Verse 12, after all of this, this message that we've talked about, Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it, or be careful. Make sure this doesn't happen to you. Be careful that this is not going on in your heart. And ultimately, each one of us, and if you, I don't, if you're, if, if you're in here this morning and you're 10 years old or 70 years old, if you're a teenager or an, an old, older person, you, you have responsibility as a child, as a teenager, as an adult to guard what is going on in your heart and to guard your heart against resistance or unbelief against God. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So ultimately you are charged to keep um, your own heart open and sensitive to God and free from bitterness or, or resistance. Verse 13, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. One of the main ways that you guard your own heart is by this 
what I would call mutual encouragement, encouraging one another. You guard your heart by putting yourself in a position to be continually encouraged in the things of God. Be at things that encourage a believing, a believing heart. Listen to things that encourage your faith in Jesus. Be with people who will encourage belief in your heart. And I, I heard a, a statement uh, a couple of weeks ago that I'd never heard before. You guys probably all heard it. But the statement was this, your vibe de- will determine your tribe. Am I, has anybody else ever heard that? Okay. Your vibe will determine your tribe. So beware if your heart is inclined to run more with people whose hearts are not soft toward God. You know? Spend much time with those who will encourage a believing heart in you. Uh, Make sacrifices regularly to be around those who are full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Just do that. Because you you need it. We need it. I need it. Uh, This this is such a a basic... uh, Truth is such a, such a basic need, and yet in the body of Christ, um, there's, there's just so many, so many of us, and I, again, I don't, don't mean to uh, be, be too hard on anyone, but there's, it's just such a rare thing at times to find those who make mutual edification and encouragement much of a priority. And the verse says, encourage one another. Encourage one another daily. Encouraging one another means receiving, putting yourself in a place and among people so you can receive encouragement and a place where you can give encouragement, both. We come together to be encouraged and to give encouragement. Uh, we, we choose to place our heart in an, in, an, in an environment where we are encouraged and we want to help create an environment where others are encouraged. And it doesn't, certainly doesn't apply only to church, but one of, the reason, one of the reasons we get out of bed to come to church or to a Bible study group is for your own heart, of course, to be encouraged. But also, you come, you gather you assemble thinking there may be some soul, there may be some person, there may be perhaps many people that I can encourage today. And you, you might encourage them simply by being here. You know, it's just an encouragement when, when, people, when you're here. Simply by being with others or a smile or a hug or a touch or a warm welcome or an expression of love, an expression of th- sympathy, or an encouraging word of some, some kind. We are in a battle to believe and to keep our faith strong. And so we come, we come to encourage one another, again, to receive and to give. So we're in this together. 
And, of course, it says do it daily. It's not just, not just on Sunday, but, I mean, certainly we come together in a special kind of commitment and faithfulness to, 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 to assemble and encourage one another on Sunday, but we do it daily. And one of my prayers from this message, it just made the Lord awaken our hearts to how important this is. Uh, finishing strong to the end, firm to the end, is something you, can't, you just can't do on your own. You might think you will, but you won't. You're, you'll, you, you think you're going, doing fine, but your heart, as it says in this verse, is slowly being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If, if, you're, not, if you're not putting yourself in this position of encouraging one another daily, it says, so that your heart, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. John Piper said, unbelief is such a constant and dangerous temptation that we must help each other fight it off. And I, I like that. I mean, one of the main purposes that we, that we gather is to fight off unbelief and to encourage robust faith. We're here. That's, I mean, it's part of the reason we're, we're here. It's why we, why, we, why we greet each other with enthusiasm and love and warmth and why we, why we sing, why we worship, why, why, why we clap our hands, raise our hands, you know, whatever we do, sing enthusiastically. We, we, we're here to encourage robust faith and trust and confidence in Jesus so that we will hold that firm to the end. You know. you know, I've been impressed, certainly from the book of Hebrews, but from some other places, that, that, that faith is, is, again, it's not just this sort of low-key uh, sort of uh, passive, uh, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe in God, yes, yeah, I believe His Word. No, it's, it's a, fa- real faith, real faith is, is confidence, it's firm confidence, it's boasting in the Lord, it's boasting in the work of Jesus, it's boasting Man, well, I have such a wonderful Savior. I mean, Jesus paid it all, all to M-I-O. God is so good to me. It's this, it's this kind of boasting in the Lord. That, I mean, that's, 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 what, that's what, what faith is. It's, it's a confidence. It's boasting in Christ. So let's make it our serious priority to, to be an encouragement to each other's faith. When you're with your spouse or your family or your kids... Or when you're with other believers, choose to be the one who says things that will increase the level of faith in the room. Be the one to say things that encourage faith and belief and confidence in Jesus. I want to end this morning by reading Psalm 95. Most all of this chapter, or this passage in Hebrews 3 that that we just read is from, taken from Psalm 95. And I've been memorizing this psalm and reading it most mornings and i just i've just been 
been so stirred and blessed and encouraged by it. Psalm 95, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. We just start saying that every morning, and, and it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major heart adjustment. It's, a, it's an adjustment of heart that I find I need, need reminded of almost, I mean, pretty much every day. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout with songs of praise to him. For the Lord is an awesome God, a great king above all divine beings. Verse 6, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel in the presence of the Lord who made us. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the flock of his care. Today, if you hear his hearts, do not Harden your hearts. The other verse that I memorized this in, it says, if only you would listen to his voice today and not be stubborn, like your ancestors in, were at Meribah on that day at Massa in the wilderness when your ancestors tested me. They tested me even though they had seen my awesome deeds for 40 years. I loathed that generation, so I said, they are a people whose hearts continually err and they have not understood my ways. So in my anger, I declared, they are not to enter my place of rest. But I want you to get that overall message of that psalm. Certainly, it ends with a warning, but do you see where, how where it starts? It starts, we're called to be happy in God. We're called to express that with joyful singing, with, with thanksgiving, and even shouts of praise. We're called to worship the Lord, to bow down and kneel before Him, we're reminded that we are His people. We belong to Him. We are the flock in His care. We are, we, are the sh- we are the sheep of His pasture. And then it says, in light of all of this, in light of all that we're called to, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your heart against this, this call, this appeal. I mean, God is not asking for some great and difficult performance from us. He is asking us, to not harden our hearts. He is asking us to open our hearts to Him without any hardness. He's asking us, in this psalm, He's asking us to enjoy Him, to praise Him, to sing, to worship, to enjoy the security and safety of being the people of His flock in His, in his care. And, and that is such a much better place for your heart to be than in, in a state of, of indifference or or aloofness or any kind of coldness to him